Power from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studios in California. It's episode 285 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome Andy Green of Ashton Cigars as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. Dangos Race introduced another chapter of the Saga, Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own dirty and making your own Saga. Saga Celez is the perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Criollo Olor and Puloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador Shade Caro wrapper that generously delivers a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke with elegance. Available in three sizes at an affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal. Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. Perdomo's uh, 20th anniversary blend requires tobacco has been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigars is a family-owned and operated company headquartered in Miami, Florida, with manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's highly acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo Double Age 12-Year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary Line, Perdomo Arbano Bourbon Barrelies, Perdomo 23, Perdomo Immenso 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. It's a masterpiece collaboration between Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Jonathan Drew. The all Maduro Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced, offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso. That's perfect for both life celebrations and times of reflection. You can find them at your Drew Diplomat retailer. And remember, all the live streaming for the Primetime Network of Shows, as well as the California Studios for the Primetime uh, Show, sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime Episode 285. Today is Thursday night, October 19th, 2023. Will Cooper back in the Perdomo Cigar Studios here on the Black Stage. Joined cross-country by my good friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. How you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing good. Rested up. Um, you know, we're in the middle of uh, AL, AL and NLCS baseball. Uh, it, it doesn't get better than that right now. That's right. Yep. So, I'm, I'm, you know, disappointing night today. But, you know, um, I got to be realistic. We weren't going to go undefeated or one loss through the whole playoffs. So, yeah, I think it's a yeah, weird I'm, expectation the way the first round went for everybody. But, um, yeah, yeah. there's going to be some mix up games here. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought I thought uh, this was the type of game I was worried about, like losing uh, to you know Arizona because uh, I think Arizona's a kind of a scrappy team, and they kind of won that game scrappy. And yeah, uh, we just didn't hit tonight. I mean, that was really it. So, uh, and then Kimbrel just <laughs> like, I think I, that's a manager manager's fault. That is a manager. Don't, I don't know why don't you have closer in when the game's tied. I, I agree. I agree on that. And then there was because that game could have went to extra innings too. Yes. So I don't know what you were thinking of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And and who you know, was, who was yeah. that one guy they brought in today? I don't remember seeing him before. 
Uh last name starts with a K, I think. Or Orion Kirkering. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's a guy they he's kind of been this guy they found. Uh they brought him from the minors late in the year. He played he's played well for us. He's been like okay. the seventh inning guy. Okay. Uh yeah. So I mean for the most part, he's he's young. He's not young. He's actually first time in the majors, but I think he's like a 30 years old. Okay. And it, but I don't like the thing is every time they he was playing he played really good at home in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um I I don't remember them bringing him into Atlanta too much uh, in that series. But so that's why I didn't see him. Yeah, yeah, that's why you didn't see him. Yeah. So, uh, but no, it's a, it's all pretty good. We'll, you know, like I said, we're playing. My team's playing baseball on October nineteenth. I'm, I'm, I really can't complain, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, because I had them losing a, what I said, they're going to lose hundred games. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You, you were done with them early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So awesome. Hey, so Aaron, let's um we have a, a special guest tonight. So um let's bring him in right now. All right. Uh he is making his primetime debut. He comes from Ashton Cigars. He is the vice president of sales. He's Mr. Andy Green of Ashton Cigars. Andy, welcome to Primetime. Thanks for having me. Will did I just hear you say you had the Phillies at a hundred losses this year? <laughs> he did. Was that, I call, he called that it a, early. Is that a real? Is that a real? When Bryce Harper was laid up, you were betting on the Phils to lose a hundred. No, no. When they started as bad as they did, and Bryce Harper was out, I said they're going to lose a hundred games the way that April was a rough month they had. It was certainly. It certainly was <laughs> not. Uh, it certainly wasn't looking like it, it's turned out to be right. So yeah. I, I hear you, but a hundred—that's a lot. We were. That's when we were getting. We were getting killed in those early games, and yeah, everyone. Talk, like we have a baseball chat group and everyone like talked me off the ledge on it, you know? <laughs> well, thank, thank, thank goodness. We would have lost you for the good stuff, which is yeah. now I, 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 the guy that you guys were just talking to made about, uh, uh, what'd you say? Kirker in it, right? Yeah. He made one appearance in the last series and I think he got one out in maybe game two. And that was the only appearance that I think he's had in the postseason. I don't think I don't think that he pitched in the uh, wild card series. I thought he did. I thought because they, I thought he pitched another game because they kept cutting to his father in the stands. Oh, you know what? You're exact. You're exactly correct. That would have been against the Marlins. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And they kept cutting to his father. I mean, I don't. Know, it was yeah, like the, he came uh, in in like the seventh or eighth. Yeah, against the Marlins. That's right. Yeah, probably game two. Yeah. But he pitched well down the stretch uh, for the Phillies. I mean, he's like he's an older rookie, I guess, and he was pitching well, and they decided to put him on the roster. Well, it, uh, it everything about Phillies baseball right now in the city of Philadelphia is just unbelievable to be a part of. Not not having you know grown up here or been from here, just to watch the way people react to their sporting teams when they're winning is just, I mean, unbelievable. The excitement, you, you literally can't get away from it everywhere you go. You yeah. go to, you know, I drop my kids off at school. All the kids are wearing Phillies gear. You come to the office. That's all anybody wants to talk about. It's just so cool to be, uh, to be a part of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, it, I think they were booing Aaron Nola not too long ago. And they, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> that, that bit us in the ass, but whatever. Yeah, and then you know the uh, the year before I I moved basically I moved down here like 2007 2008 it was like a gradual move we made down to Charlotte yeah. and and then they win and then they win the World Series that year in 2008 just because right. we like we we got all of our stuff out of New Jersey yeah 
Uh, so you just you, you just missed it. We'll we'll stay down there in North Carolina because maybe that's the good luck will to bring back yeah. the championship this year, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you notice I'm not wearing gear because when I wear gear on this show, bad things have happened to the Phillies. <laughs> I mean, it, and Aaron has Aaron has seen it. So it's like, are, are you an, are you an Eagles fan too? I'm not. No, no. Okay. So uh, the I, all the Philly teams, but football, it's kind of a weird thing. But um, the Eagle fans are funny, Andy. I mean, because that you want to if you, the Philly, if you think the Philly fans are emotional, I think the Eagle fans are ten times more emotional. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that being the case. I mean, they were after the loss on Sunday. The, oh, they, I mean, wanna, they 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 want to ship Jalen Hurts out of town. <laughs> they want like, like they're calling for NFL fix the game. I heard it's like yeah, yeah they calling for Jalen Hurts to 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 be done, and you know yeah. now Nick Sirianni doesn't know what he's doing, and I mean yeah. just yeah, it's one game, game yeah. six. They're five and one. Yeah, exactly. Well, Aaron, who uh, do you root for? Are you a uh, Niners fan? Uh, I stopped with football probably 2014 or so. Okay, I just, what would have happened in 2014? Um, I, I just got di- so dis- disappointed with the level of play in the NFL. Yeah, it was a. It wasn't the. Uh, it wasn't the best uh, example. Yeah, I, just, well, I was I, hoping you were a Niners fan because I'm a Browns fan, born and raised. So it was a oh, big okay. weekend for the Brownies. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'm worse than a Niners fan. So yeah. I'm a, I was a, I was a Cowboys fan. Oh. Before, so. ah. but I grew up. I grew up that my that was my dad's team. So it just kind of yeah, became so my team. So it was a, part of your. Yeah. It's part of your heritage. Yeah, yeah. But when I grew up, the Cowboys sucked. So you know, initially, so. Yeah. See, see, I have a soft spot for the Niners now because Steve Wilkes, who's their defensive coordinator, was on this show. So yeah, now, really? now I'm, yeah, he was. He's a cigar guy. Yeah. Uh, and he lives in Charlotte. And I've messaged him a couple of times this year. You know, not not major conversations. And he always answers me back. Um, but yeah, he uh, he's a he's a big cigar guy. That's way cool. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. neat. How, how was the show? It was good. You know, when you have on a. Uh, a guy like that, you, you're only gonna get 20 or 30 minutes with him, but it was it was a good 20 or 30 minutes. That's good. That's yeah. great. Yeah, he did it the night before training camp opened, which was really cool too. So he was already in California. Hopefully, you provided a little insight that you couldn't just read on ESPN.com, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So uh, no, but Andy, first of all, uh, great having you on the show. We've met a few trade shows. Um, long overdue to have you on and uh so thank you for making the time here um because i'm excited we haven't uh, had anyone from ashton on the show before and obviously it's a brand that is a a i think i've told you there's a lot of history with this brand personally with me so i was, yeah. I was really happy we can get that elegancia and your son what's the connection there remind me of that your son well, you have a good you have a good memory that was the first cigar he smoked no shit yeah yeah you have a good memory of that how old how old is he uh, he is going to be 28. Okay, so that, that cigar came out in like 2014, right? So that was probably right when he came into smoking? Yeah, it was. He's, he started smoking actually in two years later, in 16. I'm, I mean, I'm just a cigar guy, right? So math is not my strong <laughs> right, right. Thing, right? Yeah, I just... yeah, so he, uh, he went to school in Orlando. And... Um, he, you know, we went down to see him. And he said, hey, you know, I'm old enough to smoke. Can we go over to Corona Cigar? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. 
course. And and he said, hey, you know, um, I don't want something really light, is what he said. Um, so I said, he goes, I want something with a little like just spice, but not going to overpower me with spice. So I said, um, actually, I said, I steered him to the Elegancia. I said, give this one a try, see if you like it. And he liked and it a lot. A, what yeah. a perfect piece to uh, to to start him off with. Is he still a cigar smoker? Does he still enjoy smoking cigars? A lot less, but he actually out of college worked two years in retail. Uh, so, so he was in, but I think after working retail, he's just, now he just does it, you know, you know, not a regular, but on occasions he'll smoke it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. But well, that look, was- I'm, glad, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm excited that you guys would invite me on. Um, you know, hopefully during our conversation, somebody will find something I say exciting. That's great, but we're going to, we're going to enjoy ourselves nonetheless. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy that you guys would enjoy it. You, you know, uh, ask me to join you. And uh, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So we always like to start when we have a first time guest on is we like to just uh, get the first time guest to describe their first cigar experience. Like the first time you had a cigar. Uh, What can you recollect of that and tell us about it? Uh, Maybe it's interesting, you know, whatever. But we always like to start that off. Well, you know, I was thinking about that because you actually emailed that to me the other day and I. I can't specifically remember what the first cigar that I smoked was. And I know that that's terrible, but um, I grew up in a house. Uh, my dad's a CPA <clears throat> and my dad's office growing up in Ohio, in Finley, Ohio, was on the second floor of a building. And on the first floor was a drugstore. So every Saturday, you know, you go, I'd go to McDonald's with my dad and we'd get pancakes and sausage and whatnot. And then we would go and my dad would sit in the back of his office and he was always smoking pipes and he was always smoking cigars. And it was one of the coolest things because dad would, we'd go downstairs and he'd get his pipe tobacco for the week and buy a couple of cigars and uh, whatnot. So I grew up in a, in a house where uh, cigars and pipes were, you know, prevalent. My dad was around my dad smoking all the time. And I have an older brother who is two and a half years older than, than me. And my brother got into cigars when he went to college. And so he had a little humidor, um, uh, that he kept at home because college was only 30 minutes away and he kept it at home. And one day my, my buddy, Jason and I, who, uh, had an older brother, same age, I stole a couple of cigars out of my brother's humidor. <laughs> we were 16 years old. And there was a little cigar shop in Westgate Village Shopping Center in Toledo, Ohio. And behind it was a wine, beer, and like a little sandwich, I guess, kind of like deli, market, whatever. Um, and Jay and I went and hung out, sat there and smoked the cigars like we were the coolest <laughs> flipping dudes in, in, in the history of the world. And uh that was when I was 16. I'm 46 now. So that's 30 years ago. And what ended up happening was uh, when I was in high school, there was, you know, we had our study hall period where we could leave and whatever. And me, my buddy, Jay, another friend of ours, Ben, we would always leave school. Not always, let's say once a month. And we would go to that same spot and we, and we would smoke cigars. Uh, when we were 16, 17 uh, years old. So um, I, I remember that, you know, what, through one of my first experiences, a connection, 
number one is was very intimate with my family, obviously, right? Like I already already had like a romantic view. And then secondary was it was a it was a connection for me and my buddies. You know what I mean? We just we were just hanging out at 16 years old, smoking cigars. We had no business smoking cigars, but we were. So I don't I don't specifically remember the cigar, but I absolutely 100 percent remember the experience. And uh, I can still remember the spot and the tables and, and, and everything. So that would be when I, that, that would be my first experience. Nice. nice. In cigar And premium cigars. Now, was it something afterwards that you kind of stuck with it? Um, or did you at that point, um, you know, became a casual thing? How much did you stick with it after that? So same, same buddy of mine, Jason and I, you know, we started this ritual over and over and over. And there's a cigar shop in Westgate in Toledo. It's still there, but the original owners, uh, uh, Neil McGregor and his parents, Cleve and Dorothea called Port Royal. And so, you know, we worked up enough nerve. We're thinking to ourselves, Hey, you know, like we're here in the middle of the day, obviously they think we're businessmen, right? Like we've got jobs. We're not high school kids. So we would start going there fairly frequently and we would buy a cigar and then we would go down the way <clears throat> and we would, you know, uh, uh, sit down at the same cafe, smoke a cigar. Uh, oddly enough, sometimes they would sell us wine or, uh, a, you know, a beer. It was amazing. But we would just hang out. And then over time, like this went on for a year and a half or so. And it was fairly consistent, Will. Like we were probably there hanging out two or three times, uh, uh, you know, I'd say once, twice a week. Oh, wow. Pretty consistent. So when I turned 18 years old, uh, I was selling sporting goods at the time at a place called MC Sporting Goods. And my buddy Jay and I were sitting in the store buying cigars and they had a help wanted sign up. So uh, we went up to neil the owner and we said hey like we want jobs we would love to work at the cigar shop how awesome is that and he was like fuck you guys i'm not hiring 18 year old kids literally was his response wow so not interested so okay a few weeks went by a couple weeks went by sign was still up we went back again hey look we still want jobs and uh you know we're still looking we're still looking for part-time jobs and again he told us no so maybe a few weeks went by again and we asked again and he said, you know what, Let, let's sit down and talk about it. And at the time I was 18, but my friend Jay was not. So he was actually hired like a month, four weeks before his 18th birthday. But so anyway, that was my senior year of high school. I started working cigar retail, uh, you know, uh, four days a week in Toledo, Ohio at uh, 18 years old. So it went from what, you know, like it was, uh, you know, a, uh, a, it was a pastime, a hobby, a time to hang out with my buddies uh, to uh, immediately a job. And uh, uh, that's 28 years at this point, uh, <clears throat> 28 years. So, yeah. So you stayed through that throughout college and then like stayed in, you've been in the industry ever since basically. Yeah. So, um, my first, my first thing that I did at Port Royal, um, you know, other than obviously 
making sure all the cigars looked exactly perfect. The owner of the shop, Dorothy McGregor, was 86 years old. And, you know, I remember one day, my right, right out of the gate, I'm standing at the counter. I just, I'm like leaning back against the counter and she walks out. She was like 86, 85. She walks out, walks past me, goes to the humidor, does a few things, come back out. And she goes, if I have enough time to face cigars, well, then you absolutely do also. And I went, okay, I never made that mistake again, <laughs> but, uh, I, I started taking, I started taking inventory. Um, my boss at the time, uh, was one of the first, um, he had a website called padronecigars.com. Uh, and this would have been in 1996, you know, very, uh, infantile and, in, in, uh, in, uh, uh, mail order for yep. premium cigars, obviously. So my first job was actually unpacking Padron cigars and taking care of our website, as well as maintaining all the inventory of the shop. And then over time took over some ordering responsibilities. I went to Bowling Green State University. And then, uh, about three years into that, we opened up a shop in Columbus, Ohio, which I went down and managed for six and a half years. So from the time I was 18 until 27, roughly, uh, I worked retail. Uh, the shop in Columbus was a wonderful shop. It was right downtown, beautiful, you know, a block away from the state house. Um, but there, it just, it, there, there were three, there were three mouths to feed. And we got to a point in life, we're 27 years old and we just wanted to do more. So we ended up, we moving, just, closing the shop down, kind of went our separate ways. Um, Ashton had an opening in the South, uh, Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, Alabama. And I think at the time, North Florida, and I interviewed for the position and I did not get it. I came in three, third out of three applicants. <laughs> so I failed miserably. Right. Um, and I, I literally, I was like, you know what? I said, this, I, I'm, I put 10 years into cigars. It's all good. It's, it's given me so much. I'm done. And I just let it go. And I moved on. And, uh, probably, uh, six months later, um, I got a call that there was a position open in new England and that they were interested in me taking the position. And I did. And, and there you go. Here we are. Um, I'm in my 18th year. So I covered New England and Northern New York, as we mentioned a little bit ago, yep. uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and upstate all the way from Albany to Buffalo. I did that for six and a half years. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Manny Ferraro. I, I was actually going to want to talk. I don't know if Aaron is, but I wanted to talk about Manny. Yeah. Okay, so I'll, if it, what your questions about Manny, you can you can ask me in a minute. But I, in terms of the timeline, Manny passed away uh, in 2012. Yeah. And then a year later, there were some managerial changes. One of which was I was promoted to national sales manager. So I did that from 2013 until 2000 end of 2018. And then at the beginning of 2019, um, I transitioned to vice president of sales. Uh, and relocated down here to to uh, the home uh, uh, home office in Philadelphia, and that's where I am right now. That's my story, Will. No, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Um, and it's I was gonna ask you about Manny. Um, because Manny passed away. I was believe it was 2012, right? You just yeah. That's so, correct. And Aaron, I don't know you. You I don't think you were into 
what you were doing yet at the time. Right. But man, and how old are you? Uh, I am 47. Okay. So you and I are the same age. Yeah. Well, so Manny Ferraro, if I can, will please uh, Manny, <laughs> Manny Ferraro is a is a is a legend. Yes. Uh, for many, many, many different reasons, um, he could use the f word <laughs> in literally any <laughs> sentence at any moment in time. Yeah. You could be talking about going to church, and he would figure out a way to throw yeah. it in there. Unfortunately, I've developed a little bit of that habit too. So I try, I try my best, but um, Manny was our original vice president of sales uh, starting in like, uh, I'd say 1988 would be my guess when the brand was in its infantile stage before we had, you know, sales group or before we had brokers or before we had anything, you know, Manny was the guy. And, you know, at the time he started out by canvassing the country, you know, doing like a hundred 150 cigar dinners a year, you know, hand selling, you know, he, um, you know, obviously Robbie Levin owns our company. We can talk history here in a second. <clears throat> you know, Robbie is a tremendous business person. Obviously he owns this global international brand, but also put Manny in the position to be able to, you know, excel and, and, and grow the business from a, um, my point is, is all the way back then, Manny, uh, as crazy as that motherfucker was, he noticed very early on and he established a connection in we're selling a high end luxury item and a luxury good. And people that enjoy those types of items also enjoy fine wines, fine whiskeys. They're probably, you know, they enjoy a good meal. And so, you know, uh, that, that was a lot of the beginning. But uh, Manny, Manny hired me. Uh, he was a mentor, uh, like an uncle. Uh, we miss him literally every single day. There's not a, a, really a day that goes by that decisions that you know I make personally, I don't reflect on what he might uh, 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 you know think about my decision making or treatment of people or how I talk to people. Uh, but he was a good dude, and he also. Um, I mean, literally was crazy as a loon, but his, his passion, his heart, his ability to connect with people, his ability to make you think that no matter what was going on, uh, it was the most important thing in the world. You know what I mean? He would get in absolute screaming matches with retailers. Okay. And then at the end of it, say, I love you, give them a kiss. And they'd say, I love you too. And that was the end of it. I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? Yeah. But he, he's a, uh, he's a legend. And, you know, most people aren't fortunate enough in life to have uh, people that, you know, truly have an impact on them, whether it's professionally or personally. And I have, uh, I was very fortunate that at a time when I was transitioning from retail into um, you know, the, the wholesale side of the business that I had him to, uh, to, uh, let me know what was up nice. for good and bad. You, you, Andy, you, you described, I mean, Andy, that's exactly what my read is about Manny. Um, I mean, he reminded me of my uncle Vinny, right? Aaron, it was like, he was that, you used the word uncle and that's what he, he kind of was that uncle character. Yeah. And, and it was funny because I remember when he came down to Charlotte and did an event, he actually kind of 
unnerved a few people with how, you know, the F-bombs and everything. it was just people like they had never seen a guy like this come in and do an event like that, basically. Um, yeah. 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 So <laughs> his, uh, his brand uh, sometimes his, his brand wasn't widely accepted. <laughs> if you were if you were in the Northeast, you understood it. But like when you go into Charlotte, it, it still is a different it's a different part of the country. It, it uh, totally not that he is. was received, not that he was received bad. He, he, people loved him. Right. But it was it was just. It was like shock and awe when he comes in. and, he, and, he, yeah. and he... <laughs> Listen, Will, it, it totally was. But the best thing that I ever took out of that was he wasn't anybody ever but himself. Yeah. He was 100% himself all the time. You know what I mean? And that's, yeah. uh, you know, that's an attribute that not too many people, uh, you know, consistently yeah. can deliver. You know what I mean? So, he, yeah, he was true to himself. But he, he is a... Uh, He's a legend. I um I was in Nicaragua the night he died. He died at uh at he was at TAA in Mexico. That's and correct. we and I guess we started hearing this. Um and uh we didn't have confirmation like until the next morning, and we were scheduled to go to see the Garcias at my father. Yeah. Um we got when we got in there, we had confirmation he had passed at that point and um, we, we said, uh, you know, we said to the Garcia, they were, cause they were very upset, obviously. Um, and we offered those, Hey, we'll, you know, we understand we'll, we'll, we'll go. And they insisted we stay and, and did the tour. And I know it was very hard on them that day. Uh, and I always will remember that, um, that they did that tour cause they were definitely, you could, you could see they were just shocked, uh, you know, it's just cause it was so sudden. Yeah. For what it's worth. I mean, it's obviously a very sad day. Uh, I don't, I, I, I try to not reflect on that piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I still go, I go to the TA every year I have for 10 years and part, and sometimes it's at that space and, yeah. uh, you know, look, I'm 46. I hope I got a long way to go, but if there's any way for me to go, I would like to be drunk, smoking a cigar, yeah. dancing with my beautiful wife. Yep. And probably not know that I hit the ground. Yeah. You know, he died way too young. But, uh, you know, if there's any way to go, that's that's how Manny. Yeah, right. He was he was in the space that uh, not that he wanted to be in. But, um, yeah. Yeah. No, anyway, understood. understood. We, 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 we miss him. Yeah. He, he, he's great. He's great. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad. You know, like I said, there's a lot of good memories with that. Companies. Um, well, companies evolve and we have evolved tremendously since yeah. it's passing. Yep. Um, you know, many things passed probably Manny's understanding of the industry as it was then. But the one thing that you never lose is his passion, right? It doesn't matter if the business evolves and changes and you grow and, it, and you know, how you handle situations change, but you never lose at least people that were connected to him. Uh, you never lose that connection. Yeah, no. We're very, we're very blessed. I mean, our ownership group here is extremely, um, uh, extremely consistent. Um, you know, obviously very forward thinking. You know, and and my entire tenure here, you know, we've been blessed with great leadership from the from the top down, Manny included. No, that's good. And for folks who may not have known Manny, um because we have a lot of newer smokers and newer viewers. Uh, there's, there's some interviews with him on, on YouTube and everything. I'd encourage folks to check it out because uh, he definitely is a character uh, in the history of this industry for sure. Um, really was. So, um, yeah. 
I feel so like I, ne- I never had a chance to interview him because I wasn't doing shows at the time. But yeah, I would have loved to have had. No, uh, he never would have done it. You know why? Why? Because he would have no idea how to turn on this camera. <laughs> he would have. Yeah, they did all those in person with him. That's yeah, true. He yeah, would've, he would have had no idea how to click a, a Zoom meeting link. I don't even know that he knew how to check email. To be honest with you, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, rest his soul. Absolutely. Strike me down. Yeah. So, Andy, let's get into a little of the history of the Ashton Company, because um, I think it is an interesting history. You kind of started a little bit of it, um, you know, talking about the Levens and Holt. So why don't you kind of take us a little through that? Yeah. So uh, we're a family owned business uh, with our roots in brick and mortar retail. Um, the gentleman that owns Ashton is a is a guy by the name of Rob Levin. Uh, Rob's dad in the night. Well, so there is a retail store that's been around in, in Philadelphia since 1896, Holtz, which I'm sure most people are familiar with Holtz. Uh, in the 50s, Robbie's father, and I'm not certain of his name, uh, in the early 50s, Rob's dad bought Holtz. Uh, he at the time owned another um, retail store slash distributor called uh, H.A. Tint. Um, and of course, because of the historical, the name recognition and whatnot, he chose to drop the H.A. Tint, transition to Holtz. Uh, so the retail location has been in the family, has been in the Levin family since the early 50s. So I guess now we're probably at about... Uh, probably coming up on 75 years. Wow. Wow. Pretty soon. Um, Robbie in the uh, 1980s, you know, obviously Robbie went to college. um, And then in 1985 started Ashton and, you know, Ashton at the time, you know, if you think about it, well, Robbie's vision of course was, I shouldn't say, of course, Robbie's vision was he wanted to produce a, you know, a luxury premium cigar brand. Now I wasn't around smoking cigars in 1985, but from what I certainly understand of the industry, um, you know, light to medium body cigars were kind of all the norm and price points, they weren't very, uh, weren't really that high. So when Ashton was introduced, it was on the higher end. Uh, He wanted a, you know, a strong, you know, uh, English name to, uh, to, you know, uh, uh, carry a presence. And so Ashton was born. Um, we're now, if you speak historically, and I, I won't get into all the progressions of the cigars right now, cause I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, we're now in our third generation. Uh, most people that are familiar with the industry, Robbie's son, my direct boss, Sathya Levin, uh, now handles all, you know, day-to-day, uh, operations for Ashton. Uh, he's a tremendous leader and, and, uh, and growing and, uh, um, uh, expanding our brand and developing new brands and packaging and all these things. He's doing fantastic. Uh, and then obviously, uh, Robbie's daughter, Sathya's sister, Mira, who handles most of our packaging, all of our international business. So we are, we're, we're, a we are a third generation family owned business with two retail stores here in Philadelphia, uh, a cigar bar in downtown Philadelphia called the Ashton Cigar Bar. And then of course, the Ashton distribution side, which is our Ashton 
a lot of Roman Cuba, San Cristobal, premium house selection, Savoy accessories, Ashton small cigars, Ashton pipe tobacco, all of that. I, I think it's important, you know, for uh, to make to make a distinction. Um, if you think about our company, we're one umbrella, but we're different compartments. You know, I my job is, as the vice president of sales for Ashton Distributors. I handle only brands that we own. I handle, you know, the, all the brands that I just named, brands that we distribute to our retail, wholesale, international, um, e-com, all of that. That's that's the portion of my business. Um, brick and mortar retail, Holtz, and the catalog is a separate silo. And then, of course, the Ashton Cigar Bar is on its own. We're all under the same company, but we operate separately. I. The Ashton people, our people in the field don't have anything to do with Holtz or the uh, e-com or the catalog. They strictly deal in products that we own and distribute. Got That's it. That's an important distinction or clarification. I okay, feel. got got it. Got it. Now, if you look at the premium cigar end, um, you have you partner with like two really key factories. Um, obviously, Fuente in the Dominican Republic and my father. Was this is something I don't know the answer to, but was was Ashton always making the cigars from Fuente from day one? Yeah, so that's a that's a that's a good question to talk about the history, mm-hmm. historical context of it. Fuente has produced Ashton cigars since uh, early 1988. Previous to that, the original Ashton was produced by Hanky Kellner. Oh wow, I didn't know that. The original was. And uh, to my understanding, again, to my understanding and what, you know, I've I've been told and discussed, you know, Robbie got to a point where it wasn't anything to do with whether or not the product was quality or whether or not uh, uh, he was, you know, necessarily getting what he wanted. But he could see, you know, I, I believe very smartly that he didn't want to compete in a market that was already producing another high end luxury brand. And the Fuentes at that time, they started working together. I believe the first cigar that Carlito and the Fuentes made for us was the Ashton Cabinet. And then in 1988, they took every everything over. So uh, 1985 was Ashton Classic. Around 88, 89 was Cabinet. A few years later would have been Ashton Age Maduro. VSG was 1989. 2002 was Ashton Heritage. Uh, ESG was introduced in 2006. And then symmetry would have been 2010. So um, yeah, that's 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 the historical. If, if you think again from a historical standpoint, the original cigar boom, right, 1994 to 1996, 90, 93, 94 to 96, right? At a time when it was very difficult to buy premium cigars, here we are, a brand produced by the Fuentes. And we had inventory. In terms of our ability to enter the marketplace, we were able to, you know, hit a lot of uh, uh, retail and get our name out there because we had product being made by, you know, one of the finest factories in in the uh, in the world. You mentioned one of the things we talk about our about our portfolio all the time is whether or not it's the Ashton La Roma or San Cristobal, we have a little something for everybody, whether it's, uh, whether it's price point, strength profile, wrapper, blend, we have a little something for everything. And we are tremendously blessed 
that we get to work first and foremost with the Fuentes and the consistency that they can that they continue to uh, produce and put to market all the time. And then, of course, in 2007, we started working with the Garcias and uh, has the Garcias. Again, we are very blessed to work with two families that are at the top of their game and continue to do things that, you know, change the taste profiles uh, of the consumer. They allow us to bring things to market and bring our vision to market with tremendously high-end product. Very blessed. Sure. When when you partnered with the Garcias, 2007 was still pretty early on with uh, that family in terms of being, um, you know, they they my father really, that was in their infancy, basically. So you guys were one of the early, you know, obviously Tatawahe was the first, but, you know, you guys were very early on with them. Yeah, I'm not I, I'm not certain Pete Johnson's, uh, you know, timing. I know that around what, 2001, 2002 is when Tatuaje started come to market. Obviously, they were maybe, you know, the answer to that. I'm, I'm not Pete, sure. Pete, Pete's actually listening, but I think it's 2003 because okay. this was the 20th anniversary. Yep. I try not to talk about other companies that I don't know because. <laughs> yeah. That's their that's their business, but you know, obviously they were producing out of a very, a very small um, factory down in Miami. And 2007, we started working with them. The original San Crist- the original product that they produced with us was San Cristobal. And for, from our standpoint, it you know obviously uh, tremendous foresight to be able to look at it and say for us to be able to expand and grow, we have to, you know, diversify. We have to be able to offer the consumer a multitude of different products. And, and how do how do we do that? And you're correct in that at the time the Garcias were still in their infantile stages, maybe infantile is the wrong word, but but their uh, uh, newer stages of development. And we were able to take the, the all of the things that they do and their expertise and, you know, Jaime and Pepin, they are, I mean, phenomenal at what they do. And we were able to put it to what we do, which is uh, uh, take a vision for what we want to take to the market, come to them with that vision. And then, you know, we had a, an established sales group at that time that was, you know, 14 people deep and that marriage or that partnership just continues to thrive. And these were two brands that the Levens acquired, kind of the rights to the, the trademarks of those in the U.S. Is that is that kind of how that these started? If uh, so, so Robbie purchased, Robbie owned the trademark for La Roma de Cuba, I believe, going back into the mid '90s. Okay, La Roma de Cuba is a is a very romantic, <clears throat> you know, historic brand. Winston Churchill, one of the brands that he smoked was the Cuban La Roma de Cuba. So it's very, there's a lot of romantic history behind that brand and, and Robbie, you know, La Roma de Cuba was actually originally produced in 2002 in Honduras. So the brand's been out for 20 plus years at this point. Um, and then San Cristobal again, I believe Robbie bought the trademark in the US for San Cristobal, obviously internationally, it's known as Paradiso because we, on the trademark in the U.S. only, but um, I believe he bought that in the early 2000s, maybe late late 90s, and with the vision of creating a brand in the future. 
Got it. Yeah, and then La Roma de Cuba in Europe is La Roma de Carib, right? It's it's slightly La Roma. To... That's correct. Yeah. La Roma del Carib and Paradiso is San Cristobal's Paradiso. La Roma de Cuba is La Roma del Carib. Got it. Yep. Got it. Um. Yep. Same. Same. Same imaging. Same blends. Same everything. Just of course, from a uh, trademark standpoint. Yep. Yep. And and I guess you know when you when the when you made this decision to work with the Garcias, I mean, you guys, again, it was, it was very early well, first on. First of all, let's, let's qualify something. I didn't make any decision. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ashton, Ashton, the, the Levins. Did. You, you are the representative for the evening. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a lot of Royal. But, but, it, <laughs> but again, at the time, not only did you get it on the ground floor, but maybe the Garcias, but again, this was early on where you guys diversified to go into Nicaragua as well, which was still, this was still, still somewhat early days too. Yeah, so you know, if I if I can, let, let's let's talk a little bit more hi history yeah. on the Ashton on on the Ashton side and the development thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. and, then I'll, and then I'll move that way. You know, there's 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 a a couple of brands, not a couple. We have about five brands that we feel are kind of like foundational brands, and when I mean foundational brands, like pillar brands, brands that in every retail store in the U.S. Uh, they're brands that should be on their shelf and, and dedicated because they're brands that the consumer widely recognizes. The first of those is Ashton Classic. You know, Ashton Classic, Dominican Phil, Dominican Binder, the Fuentes, you know, um, Manny always used to say all the time, highest quality product at a fair market value. You know, the Fuentes and what they do, obviously, consistent quality and dedication to that is paramount. The fact that we still use Connecticut grown Connecticut shade on our flagship product is a huge piece to why that brand continues to be successful. I, you know, I run into consumers all the time and I say, what's your favorite Ashton? And most of the time they don't say Ashton classic, but by God, that cigar is by far still our number one selling product um, in any marketplace and in, in, in any part of the world. It's a mainstay. And so the reason the reason that I say that is we look at it, you know, obviously for those at home, that's the one I'm talking about right there. Yep. Um, you know, you had Ashton Classic, you had Ashton Cabinet. Ashton Cabinet's a, you know, higher grading of Connecticut shade. It's, a, it's obviously a blend that uh, is much fuller bodied. So that cigar actually comes across more medium. You have aged Maduro, which is such a great, delicate uh, representation of what a Dominican Connecticut grown broadleaf. It looks like chocolate. It tastes like chocolate. It's just fucking so sexy. It's beautiful. And then, you know, I, I kind of tell this story to talk about, you know, Ashton VSG, uh, which you guys are, are hopefully aware debuted in 1999. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the, the cigar market at that time, it was still, you know, medium bodied on the high end. And here the Fuentes produced this cigar that's you know, Dominican filler, Dominican binder, Ecuadorian Sumatra, straight sun-grown. And it was so unique to the marketplace. It was so, impact. it was a trendsetter and that's not hyperbole. If you've been smoking cigars long enough, the progression of what followed were a lot of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fuller bodied cigars kind of following in that progression because they realized there was a consumer base for it. For our brand as a whole, 1999, now everybody's eyes are on this new, hot, great brand, VSG, and it accelerated all, all, of, yep. all of our brands in our portfolio. 
And so when I when I talk about those foundational brands, we talk a lot of, about that, you know, internally and as a consumer, because these are brands that, you know, if you think about it, 1999, that's 24 years ago. That's 24 years ago at this point. And to have a brand that continues to grow, to, that, that, that continues to have consumer awareness, that continues to have viability, it's just, it's, it's really, really, really awesome. I mean, you can pick that cigar up now and it's like, you know, slipping on your favorite pair of slippers. You know, it's just like, it's, it's what it's supposed to be. So I, I tell those things as a, like a progression because then when you, you come on to, you know, at, at the very base of it, well, right, we're marketers of, of brands that we own right? Yep. We're not, we're not, we're not producing anything because of our, our status within the industry and, and what we, and what we do in the industry. Um, you know, most people don't look at it that way, but, you know, ultimately when you get to 2007 and you start to work with the Garcias, it, it brought so many, it, it what's the word I'm looking for here. It allowed us to expand into marketplaces that previously was unavailable. And if you look at San Cristobal was the original, then they then the Garcias produced La Romani Cuba Edición Especial, which that came out of the gate like a freaking, you know, rock star. I think it was the number four cigar of the year, one year, and it just huge accolades. And then, you know, then when you talk again about the next pillar, La Romani Cuba baseline or the original, the red banded one, I think came into 2009 was when the Garcia started producing it. And now here you have a, again, Nicaraguan filler, it's Nicaraguan binder. It's a Connecticut grown broadleaf. It's grown by, by the Garcias. It's very much known as a value-based brand, but the quality of that product, you know, far outpunches its, uh, its, its weight class. And, you know, that has become a, a foundational brand within our portfolio. Um, I feel like I'm like skipping on highlights here. I'll I transition ahead to Mia Moore. Everybody's familiar with Mia Moore. Most people are familiar with Mia Moore. Mia Moore came out and, you know, I, I draw parallels with Mia Moore to VSG. And that's that Mia Moore came out. That was one of the last cigars when, when Manny was still alive that we brought to market. Nicaraguan filler, Nicaraguan binder, uh, Mexican San Andreas Oscuro. And I use the word sexy because it was not a lot of people were coming out and saying, hey, look, this is Mexican San Andreas. Yeah. Look how, I was going to say that. Yeah. Look how fucking good this cigar tastes. Right. So we talk a lot about what, what is it that Ashton does? OK, well, what Ashton does is we try we don't overflow the market. We don't overflood the market. We try to stay consistent to our ideals highest quality product, fair market value. We want to deliver it consistently. And we want the consumer to be able to go back, shop and buy that cigar over and over and over. That's good for everybody on all levels. It's good for the consumer. It's good for the retail because it's consistent sales. And we do everything on the back end to make sure that we maintain that. Mia Moore, now, again, this is like crazy to me. It makes me think how old I am. But that cigar has been out for 11 years. It's a top five brand in our portfolio. Ashton Classic, La Ro Ashton Classic, La Romani Cuba, VSG, Ashton Cabinet, and Mia Moore. And so when you think about brands that have been around for 30, uh, again, I'm a cigar guy, so I'm not going to try to do the math. You guys can 
15 plus 23 is 38 years. Brands that have been around for 38 years. And because of, because of our commitment to what it is that we do, you know, uh, Mia Moore has become a huge, you know, mainstay. I, I'll make the example again of consistency. If you look at the marketplace over that 11 years, there's been a lot of cigars that have come out and, you know, whether or not they were going after the Mexican Oscura or whatnot, I, that's, that's not for me to talk about, but brands come and go. And that brand is, has continues to, 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 to stand up. Andy, when you talked about Mia Moore, actually, that's around, Mia Moore came out right around when I was starting. And I remember starting the show, you mean starting what I did in cigars. Yeah. Like, right. So going back, like, I just remember, like, there were a few cigars that did talk about Mac They use Mexican rapper. Well, there was a few, right. There were smaller brands. Uh, but a lot of times I get this, like when I, when I'd ask questions about the blend, they rapper, a We really don't want to talk about where it's from. And, and, and you sort of, everyone kind of figured it, what it was, but when me and more after me and more, that all changed. Like it was, it like you said, it became sexy to use the Mexican rapper after that. It was after yeah. Mia Moore had the success it had. That's when suddenly no one was just, uh, everyone was ready to talk about the rapper at that point. I feel like, I feel like a lot of time I'm the head Kool-Aid stirrer here at Ashton, right? You know, like you got to drink, you got to drink your own Kool-Aid. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the VSG, the VSG thing is not hyperbole. That was a trendsetter. Yeah. And the Mia Moore thing, again, is not hyperbole. That's a trendsetter. And we're very proud of those things because, you know, not only can when you can bring something to market and it have a tremendous impact, but then you can continue to uh, showcase, you know, the strength of what the, of, of what we do and our approach to the marketplace. It's freaking awesome. It's really awesome. No, it is. It is as well. Um, you came out, you guys also, we didn't talk about ESG, but when ESG came out and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, wasn't that kind of positioned as the, I don't want to say it was a sun grown Opus X, but it used a sun grown rapper that the Opus X was using. I guess it's the best way to put it was, is that what the ESG really is? So ESG, <clears throat> ESG was produced because the Fuentes wanted to do something to celebrate our 20th anniversary in, in, of, uh, of Ashton. Right. And so the original idea, which still, you know, continues to be that, the idea is to produce a unique new size every year, starting with our 20th. So you would have a 20, a 21, a 22, a 23, a 24, and then ending with a 25. Um, uh, we're, currently on the 24th, but the it's, you know, Opus X, right. Is one of the most well-known if not the most well-known sought after all Dominican cigar uh, in the freaking world. And what would the Ashton ESG, you know, they grow the wrapper for Opus X. It's very rare. It's extremely limited, very high quality. Uh, They grow that in the shade. They use that same tobacco and they grow it in the sun. And that's what goes on an Ashton ESG. Okay. Yep. Certainly taste wise, they're very, very different. Yep. So you, you would, I would never say to a consumer, if you like one, you're going to like another. I try to stay away from that a lot of times anyway. But if you're, if, if you're talking about rare, high quality tobacco, if you're talking about something that 
can't be duplicated on any other product necessarily. Um, something that highlights their craftsmanship and their commitment to aging tobaccos and blending ESG and Opus X, you know, they're, they're on, they're on that level. It's a fan. I mean, it's, 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 I don't get to smoke ESG near enough, but when I do, I certainly, uh, I enjoy. Yeah. No, it's a, it, it's a, I've always loved the ESG. I was, I was going to ask you about, is that 25 ever going to come out? <laughs> this is funny, Nick. These but, aren't uh, these aren't answers that I know. These aren't yeah. questions that yeah. I know the answer to. And I'm <laughs> yeah. not gonna. I'm not yeah, gonna, but I was, I was. I usually don't ask the what's new question, but that yeah. one was always like. I'm not gonna lie and tell you that I do. All I'm gonna tell you is that when <laughs> it does, I'm gonna be happy as a mother. Okay? Gonna, <laughs> I will love that day. Right, 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 right. Just yeah. Hopefully, like everybody else would. Yeah. This, this, you built up this great portfolio of brands. You, you again representing Ashton and then events. Uh, the company's built up this great portfolio of brands, and you know, there's a couple of things I've noticed about these brands that are maybe people say, "Why aren't you doing this or that?" And and um, so the two things is I've noticed you guys aren't a company that feels pressure to come out with something every new every year. And then the second thing I say is you guys have you have some limited products. But you don't have the you don't you guys have not gone down the one and done route. So these are these are things you know like a lot of companies will go down both those routes uh, at one point or another. But it seems like Ashton has made a conscious decision that that's not the route that, the road they want to navigate down. So I'm kind of curious on some thoughts on that um, in in terms of how you guys position yourself with that. I feel like there were three questions there, and it's late in my day, and I and I feel like I missed the first okay. first question there. Yep. The, the first question uh, revolved around um, market approach and new brands. Right. First one's around new brands. And then the second right. one was around one and done limiteds. Right. Okay. So, so the, the first part of that is, you know, we never want to be reactionary to the marketplace. Right. We, we never want to, I don't want to say follow the trend because if people are smoking large ring gauge cigars, we want to have large ring gauge cigars right. in our portfolio. But we are very mindful of the fact that when we bring a product out, we're not looking to bring a product out. And this is certainly something that I think separates us from some of our uh, um, competitors. Mm -hmm. We're not looking to come out with a brand for two years or three years or a year and a half or whatever, we're looking to come out with brands that will stand the test of time. And, you know, with that being said, those brands that we produce have to fit into a piece to our portfolio that we, that we feel is necessary. In other words, there's, there's not a cannibaliza cannibalization. It has to, it's all pieces to a puzzle and a piece to the right. pie. We take those things very seriously. So you know, uh, I, I just, I don't want to say that we beat to our own drum because I think that that's disrespectful to the industry. I don't think that mm -hmm. that's the right thing to say. I think what the right thing to say is we have a, a format and a market approach that has been very successful for us for a very long time. And we, and we stick to those ideals. And that's one of the things I mentioned earlier about consistency from Robbie Levin to Safia Levin to Andy Green on down is we try to uh, uh, remain consistent. And a big part of that is when, when we're ready for a brand to come out, it's because we've done market research, we've done market analysis, we've made decisions in terms of what we think we can 
we can uh, uh, help retailers make money on? What are the consumers going to be excited about? Um, all of those things. So it, one of those basic tenets of what we do is we don't flood the market. We don't over flood the market with product, with excess product. There's only been, you know, we, we don't take brands off the marketplace and discontinue. You, you won't see one of our brands, well, let's say knock on wood, but you won't see one of our brands getting, uh, you know, um, uh, disappear out of existence. It's just not, it's not the way that we do things. So that kind of answers, helps to yep. lead into the second question, which is the limited re release stuff. I think that the limited release stuff is amazing for our business and for our industry. It's stuff that keeps consumers excited. It's creativity. Um, it's, it's, it's like the craft beer part of our industry. Uh, ingenuity, it, it continues to bring new people in. I think that that's obviously great for our industry. It's just not our market approach. Right. We, we want, I think I've said this a couple of times now, is we want to bring brands to market that the retailer, our retail partners can consistently deliver to the consumer and that the consumer can, can recognize uh, that brand stability and be able to come back and, and buy more. I think what I, I think from a retail level, and this is again, my perspective, I'm certain that there's people out there that would argue with me, but one of the worst things that can happen to a retailer is for a consumer to come in, fall in love with the cigar, come in a month later and the guy go, I can't buy it anymore. It's all gone. Well, what happens then that consumer has to go either buy something else. So they're going to go find it somewhere else. And then you lost a sale. So we want to try to maintain consistency. We want to kind of, we want to deliver that consistently over time um, to keep our brands long-term healthy. We've, we've had, you know, we, we did uh, Lanceros and La Roma de Cuba and EE and San Cristobal years ago, and they were successful. I mean, we sold out of them uh, immediately, but you know, it, it wasn't a long-term, uh, it's not a long-term brand strategy for us. Yeah. I mean, oh. people would consider ESG rare because it is, it's limited in production. You know, there's certain criteria that we have where, of, of who we allow to purchase that. We offer it to everybody, but certainly you have to, you have to support Ashton to be able to get something that you can't find everywhere. Um, so I hope that answers that. No. that uh... no, it did. I mean, the two that come to mind that are in that boat are ESG and Noblesse of La Roma Cuba. Those are the ones I think that have been more limited, right? And, and I leave had, okay, so no, Noblesse yep. in La Roma de Cuba and San Cristobal Ovation. Ovation, yeah. And then, e, and then ESG. Those would be the three that you would consider uh, limited, to, you know, like um, – they would all be considered ongoing, but limited production. And sure. then obviously our distribution and how we handle it in the marketplace is a little bit different because you won't find those brands just everywhere. No bless and ovation haven't really been in the market for about a year and a half now. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, ESG is obviously, you know, continually out there. Right, right, right. No, uh, I love all three of those cigars actually too. So, um, but yeah, but I, I can say it's interesting. You said that because what I learned, what I do, is if I if I review a cigar and then suddenly it's it's not available anymore, it, it actually isn't good for like my web traffic is what I've discovered. 
right? Mm-hmm. I've discovered that if something's always available, people come back and they'll read about it for, for free. like me. They're still reading about me and more when I reviewed that 11 years ago. So, right. I mean, so I've learned that piece too, as much as, like I said, I think there is a, I don't want to disrespect that piece of the market either. Um, sure. But, but it, there is something to what you say is I, I see it, I guess, from a media point, at least on my, at least from my audience, I'll say yeah, that. Don't, 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 please. I, I don't, I want to make sure that, it, that I'm not no, I didn't think, I didn't think you did. saying there yeah. that, that part of the marketplace, you know, if that doesn't exist, I mean, this was one of the whole things with the FDA and new products coming to market and how scary that would be. Cause it, it limits, uh, it limits ingenuity and creativity, Yep. you know, uh, and keeping people exciting, but that's just, you know, many years ago, one of our, uh, salespeople, we were having a conversation one time and we were talking about, you know, this concept of what's new, what's new, what's new. And he fired back and he said, well, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm, I, I get, I, I get frustrated with the what's new. What, what's, what's great right now. You know what I mean? Just, yep. It might, it might not be new. Maybe it's been out there for two years, 10 years, 15 years, but if it's new to you or just because a product is new doesn't mean it's great for you. It doesn't mean it's a terrific fit for you. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, again, we're, we're just trying to maintain consistency and continue to, to put out, you know, great cigars. And, you know, our investment in the industry is pretty deep in, in that regard. No, it's very true. It's very true. Now, I would say the last few, maybe three years, you could correct me on this. It seems like there's been a little more focus on La Roma to Cuba. You guys have made some additions. You've done some tweaks with that brand right now, uh, that end of the portfolio. So what drove some of those changes that you've had there? Well, I mean, I wouldn't say if my boss was sitting here right now and he heard you say more focus on La Roma to Cuba, then I might be in big trouble. Okay. Uh, I'll correct. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. I'm, only, I'm, I'm totally, I'm, that's, yeah, a, yeah, that's yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> that's a total joke. Will. no, okay. because we're always focused on all, but, but the point yeah. certainly that you're making uh, is La Roma to Cuba is exploding. San Cristobal is, you know, growth trajectory is fantastic. And what a wonderful, you know, uh, uh, time we are here at Ashton Distributors because, you know, Ashton as a brand continues to be, you know, an international iconic brand that continues year over year to grow. La Roma de Cuba, you know, La Roma de Cuba is a whole different beast. It's a completely different profile. It's a different factory. You know, um, it, it allows us to be a little bit you know, Ashton, again, with that international, that iconic logo and branding, La Roma de Cuba allows us to have, you know, a different approach to the marketplace to connect with a different consumer altogether. I think that, I think one of the things maybe that you're, you're touching on is, um, and I think we might've discussed this when we were together in Las Vegas is, you know, we, we, we employ a graphic arts department here at Ashton. That's about 10 people deep. Yeah. And, you know, if you include our social media people that, that are constantly creating new imaging and whatnot, it's, I think, 12 or 13 people deep. And the point that I'm trying to make is the creativity and the creative process to make sure the, the, the cigars are fantastic. But what we're what we continue to do is make sure that we're tweaking them so that they're exciting and recognizable and impactful for the consumer. Exa- a few examples being 
if you just look at La Roma de Cuba, we went from, you know, when EE was introduced, EE was in a wide wooden box. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful. But as the product grew and, and you have, uh, you have La Roma de Cuba baseline, you have EE, you have Mia Moore, uh, you have Reserva, then you bring out Pasión. There, it, it wasn't that it lacked consistency, but you know, the box styles were a little bit different. Mia Moore had wide boxes, you know, they were the 12 by 13. So the format on the shelf. So we looked at that and said, okay, well, in terms of consistency, we have to change that. So we, we changed our packaging. And as a byproduct of that, we updated a lot of the, the uh, imaging to it. One of the things I, and I know that I've, I've said this before uh, to you, to you in a conversation is, uh, again, we know that the cigar, the Garcias are producing fantastic product that we're trying to make sure that we tell a story to every single consumer. And this isn't something that even up until three years ago when we started taking our branding uh, in-house, but our graphic arts director, a guy by the name of Sean Rogers, his department, if you look at every La Roma de Cuba band, Aaron, are you familiar with what I'm about to say? Uh, I'm not sure yet. How about okay. you, Will? Yeah, because I, 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 I talked to Sean, so I am familiar. But yeah, yeah go every, ahead. Yeah. Every band, they they went on every band. If you look in detail at the La Romani Cubas, every female is wearing a different color dress. The flowers in her hair are different. Even the little necklace that she's wearing is different. And that's a that's a small little detail that might go unrecognized. But it's a detail that shows the commitment to the connection to our products. It's about every one of those, you know, uh, females on all the bands. Uh, the light's terrible. See, my ring light's not, my ring light's dogging me on this one. But every single detail, every single uh, female is, is telling its own story. And that's, and that's the point of that. So... So, Will, what you first said about focusing on La Romani Cuba, La Romani Cuba is, it, it truly is the growth and the growth opportunities just continue to grow. Um, La Romani Cuba this year, the cigar that you're smoking, the cigar that I'm smoking, you know, we just introduced La Romani Cuba in Connecticut shade this year, which again, for us to be able to, uh, there you go. Yep. For us to, you know, introduce a product to the to the customer base at this price point, this quality. It's this. It's the same blend as our original La Romani Cuba, just with a Connecticut shade, and again delivered at the same price point. You know, the opportunity for consumer enjoyment is high, and for retail to be able to sell this product over and over, it just gives. Again, it gives La Romani Cuba a a, a pretty long runway that we're hopefully continuing to capitalize on. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And I just wanted to show what you to, for people in the audience, maybe to see, but you could see again, the dress, you can just see the detail on the woman is different on, on each of these bands. All which, of, all, yeah. all of these tell a story. Yeah. And this process started again, three or four years ago when we started, you know, creating <clears throat> and uh, crafting all of the band work and the box artwork, all of that's done internally. And, you know, uh, 
for what it's worth, I mean, the cigar has to be good too, right? You, right. You, you don't smoke the band and the cigars, as we know, are fantastic. But the, the point that I try to articulate in this is, you know, this is a connection to the product and the connection to the brand that, uh, that we think, again, hopes to, helps to showcase our long-term commitment to our, our, our products and to, to keep them fresh for, in the consumer's psyche. Yeah, and I think from a merchandising standpoint too, when, when these are merchandised in a humidor, it, it, it's brilliant. I mean, when you when you, I've seen it already merchandised, and and it works great when you see that tremendous tremendous yeah. impact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it does. It makes it very easy to identify these things as well. Yeah, well, if you look at it, and this wasn't the case, certainly, uh, let's say nine years ago, but if you look at it now, as the brand has evolved. The blends are the same, of course, but as the packaging has evolved, now you have very discern discernible, you know, La Roma de Cuba original is red band. La Roma de, de Cuba, Connecticut is gold banded. Uh, Mia Moore is blue. Reserva is, you know, like a burgundy. Passion yeah. has that beautiful mint color to it. And EE is yellow. So that if you're a consumer, and you enjoy one of those cigars. Now you go back and say, you know what? It was La Roma de Cuba. It had a, a, a girl on the band, a female on the band. And somebody can say, what color was the band? Yeah. Now you immediately know which product they're talking about. There's, a, there's an immediate response to that retailer. Or, or if they, again, if they shop online or if they shop in catalogs or whatever, it, it, it very much limits confusion, which makes consistency on all formats of those that that much more streamlined yeah no it's it's a it's it, like i said i think it came out really really good oh uh, when i was talking like when, when i was talking to sean at the show and he pointed all this out i mean it was it was like to be honest with you when he pointed out i said yeah well you know it may i just when when you it's just something i had i mean i just took it for granted to be honest with you i mean i knew the colors were different but when i looked at the woman and how even that was put into the detail of the portrait i was i was pretty amazed by that yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's, that's the impact. And, you know, yeah. again, you're, you're starting, you'll, you're starting to see that similar evolution with San Cristobal. San Cristobal is our youngest brand. And, you know, that's pretty interesting. I think to say our youngest brand happens to be 16 years old. So when you talk again about branding, yeah. San Cristobal is the youngest and it's, it's, it's about to turn 17, but you see a very similar uh, progression, you know, Elegancia is green, you know, Revelation has that blue, Quintessence yeah. comes in that beautiful wooden box. Uh, the original San Cristobal has that, you know, dark cherry, uh, uh, you know, color on the wrap, wrapper yeah. band, and obviously, you know, the box and packaging. And again, we're, we're the, the, the cigars are great. We're continuing to try to make it easier for retailers to sell them <clears throat> and for consumers to identify and build our brand and our foundation and help that grow. Yeah, that's good. It's I a feel good like thing. a broken record. I'm sorry. Aaron. No, you're not at all. Not at all. Mm -hmm. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, Aaron, anything else we wanted to hit on some of the branding stuff here? No, I mean, we went really in depth right there on that. Yeah, no, that was, that was a good education there, Andy. Um, a lot of stuff I did not know. So, I mean, this is, uh, this is fantastic here to do that um let me kind of ask this question and this is uh 
because we were talking about this at the beginning of the show. So this is a little bit of a fun question. You have it. So, so Holtz is probably going to deliver something to the winning team in the championship series, right? Is that, is that the plan? Holtz or Ashton or our, 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 our family of companies. Your family of companies, I think <laughs> is the best way to put Like I'm assuming it's going to come through Holtz, but it's going to be a cigar in your family of companies. So the, so the Philadelphia Phillies, when they won their wild card round, I'm sorry, when they clinched, they were smoking VSG sorcerers. Yep. So when they clinched the wild card, they were smoking VSG sorcerers. When they won the divisional round, they were smoking VSG sorcerers. Are we noticing consistency here? I don't want to. <laughs> but but they also they also uh, enjoy uh, Ashton Churchill's. Okay, that's great. So we have we have a, 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 a pretty cool, I would say, connection um, with some people over in their clubhouse that we um, you know. We're, we're, we're a Philadelphia company and we take that shit very seriously and we bleed Philly red, you know, red October and the Eagles. And, you know, it's a proud moment for everybody here when they win. And, you know, we want them to, to be enjoying a, a Philly cigar. So we make that connection and, and drop the cigar. So they're smoking Ashton cigars. Yeah. Well, actually, when I saw... Um, a lot of those guys, by the way, shop at the at the store in Center City, Will. Yeah, that's great. I mean, what how I think... I actually did see they were smoking Ashton's, but the way I figured it out was I saw the whole... I saw something from Holtz yeah. in, in uh, the locker room. Listen, <laughs> we... The, the uh, cigars were delivered in a big blue Holtz bag, which they don't even, we don't even have those bags anymore because those <laughs> bags have, tra- tra- have transitioned to a yeah. different color. Right. But NBC Philly is in the locker room. There's two things here that, that you know, I, I, I was on cloud nine forever. JT Real Muto is a big cigar guy, apparently. I didn't know that. I did not know that one. No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so... NBC Philly is panning across the locker room and there's this big Holtz bag. Yeah, was, right? that's what I saw. That's once my way was a story. And yeah. then right next to it, he's opening up a box of VSG and he is passing them out over his shoulder like this to the to the guys. And it's clear as day, a box of Ashton VSG and some cigars coming out. You know, I mean, <laughs> everybody here at the building and all of my friends are like, oh, it's so cool. It's so yeah. cool. You know, same thing last year when they won. Last year, Last year they were they were smoking VSG and Ashton and Ashton Churchill's also. So nice. we try to maintain a little consistency there um, for the group. We don't want to mess anything up. Now, if they if they somehow win this in Arizona, and long way to go. I mean, do you have a connection to get the cigar? I'm assuming you got you got you guys got a way to get these out to, to Phoenix. So. Uh, you know, I'm very insulted that you would question my work ethic here. <laughs> I got it. Well, okay. Uh, you'd be no. surprised, Andy. It's I'm, I'm, they, I'm, sure they they have re- I'm sure they have retailers in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to give away my <laughs> secrets. No. <laughs> but no. So uh, we took a look at the schedule before. We took a look, obviously, at the schedule before they left. And we made sure that they traveled with cigars. Okay. So if the Phillies win in Arizona, they already have 
um, uh, cigars available to uh, to enjoy. That's great. I, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. very happy. Yeah. <laughs> Not question. You'd be surprised, Andy. I've asked this question and and on other teams, and, I, and the answer I've gotten is, yeah, that may be a good idea if we did that. So like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm a transplant here, so right. you know, when I when I look any any let, let me let me just first say that any cigar that they're smoking and they're showing that they're enjoying themselves is good for our entire premium yes. cigar industry. Very yeah. You know what I mean? So I I'm not going to be like, "Oh, fuck those guys." They're like, "No, I mean, they're enjoying cigars." But, you know, th- those th- those guys have been very uh we we feel like we're there's a, a connection there because they support a lot of the Philly, you know, brands and um, you know, a lot of our people go to games. We're, we're, we, we have uh, some great connections with the Phil- Phillies. And uh, I think they take a little, you know, pride in the fact that they're supporting a hometown, hometown company, you know, plucky Ashton cigars over here, taking care of the team. But uh, yeah. It, it's made it very easy, by the way, that they are, because like, the question I get all the time is when someone's smoking a cigar in the locker is what the brand is. Um, yeah. and this one was a lot easier. I saw the Holt and then obviously I, I, the Ashton thing was pretty easy to, to identify that, um, in this case. Well, um, I don't, then, I don't know. You're not an Eagles fan, so maybe you didn't, but, uh, I'm not an Eagles hater. It's just, uh, when they were play the giants, I, I root against them, but yeah, but so I, I, they, I do support the Eagles. So when they won the, so when the Eagles won the, um, NFC championship last year, Jalen Hurts, there's a picture of Jalen Hurts sitting at his locker smoking a cigar. But he took the band off of it. <laughs> but it is oh. but, but the cigar that he is smoking is 1000% an Ashton Churchill. Okay. Because they they uh uh again had Ashton Churchills on hand for their celebration also. You know, how heartbreaking. That was on ESPN's instant yeah. ig page you know and they're <laughs> three million followers or whatever and the band was off of it but i digress you can't win them all no no but i i appreciate you guys uh taking care of my team here so <laughs> you don't have listen you do not have to worry about that we're we'll uh <laughs> as as they know as long as they keep winning uh the cigars are going to be on us uh nice nice all right, Andy, we'll go into we'll start some of these fun questions and then we'll do uh, more of the rapid fire ones. But all right, this is going to be our Florida sun grown beef segment. OK, and this is a segment, Andy, about beef. And the question I want to know is, what is your favorite steakhouse to go to in the Philadelphia area? Um, Barkley Prime. That's good. <clears throat> We did, uh, we did two things. We had Barclay Prime. We did a, uh, our sales, when our sales meeting was in town, uh, our Ashton Cigar Bar is right downtown. So even though our office is in Northeast Philly, we have everybody stay downtown because of course we go to dinner and then we go to the, the Ashton Cigar Bar, which for those of you out there, if you've yet to make a pil- pilgrimage to the Ashton Cigar Bar, it's a fantastic place. Uh, please, please, please come enjoy um so we had a private room and it was phenomenal they were they they did a great job and then about two months later we had uh some customers in town and we went back for dinner and it was probably the 
best service I've ever had in any of my dining experiences in all of my 46 years. Our service was just, you know, outstanding. The food is phenomenal. Uh, but that, that would be my favorite. I'm not a big steakhouse guy, by the way. Okay. But, but that to me is the best steakhouse in Philly. What's nice. yours? Well, it's a tough one. I like, I mean, I like in, in Charlotte, we have, it's a, it's a chain, but I really do like their steaks is Sullivan's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, we've just always gone there as well. Uh, my dad, my dad and I used to go to old homestead in New York. That was his place. He liked to go to, um, in New York, there was another place called Wolfgang's, which was started from someone who worked at Peter Luger's as well. Okay. So that's mm-hmm. a pretty good one. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, it's kind of like Peter Luger's quality without the Peter Luger's, uh, it's a, it's a little less rough than going into Peter Luger's as well. Tell people. If <laughs> yeah. I'm, if I'm, if I'm traveling and chain steakhouses are, you know, available, there's a Capitol grill. I, I actually enjoy Capitol grill. Yeah. There is and one I in downtown a, Charlotte. Yeah. I had an interesting experience recently <clears throat> i flew to jacksonville for a work trip and i flew in on monday and i called our sales rep patrick down there and i said hey pat i was like this hurricane is supposed to land you know tuesday should we reroute and go somewhere else and patrick's like ah you know it might not hit directly you know this and that should be okay so i flew down and then what ended up happening was most of the stores in anticipation in Jacksonville closed on Wednesday. So we drove two and a half hours South so we could work the market, uh, you know, mid coast Florida. And then Wednesday night went back because I was flying out Thursday afternoon out of Jacksonville and we're, we're on our way back and we're looking at the hotel and I'm like, uh, I said, look, there's not a lot of places, but there's a Capitol grill. Let's go to Capitol grill. So we walk in, we were the only two people <laughs> in the entire restaurant, except for this, except for the service for like the first hour and a half, by the time we left, there were probably, you know, five or six people in the bar, but in terms of the, 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 the dining area, it was just us. It was, it was pretty surreal actually. Again, the service was great there too, right? Yes. We were the only uh, shout out to Capitol grill in Jacksonville. They, They took care of us that night. They have great calamari, but I know Aaron's not a seafood guy, but they have great calamari at the Capitol Grill. Yeah, I didn't have it, but I, I, I love calamari. It's really, yeah, it's, 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 I always get it when, we, when I go to one in Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to get more seafood at Capitol Grill for whatever reason. Because That's an interesting choice, Will, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you like it, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. They have good seafood. It's underrated. Yeah. But, all uh, right. no, all good. All right. Here's the next question I have. This is what we call, Andy, the ties that bind. And it's brought to you by Tobacco USA. Makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Julieta, H. Upman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco USA, great things are happening here. So, Andy, I'm going to name three things, okay? And this, this segment is inspired by a Bruce Springsteen song called The Ties That Bind. But it's not related to music. But I'm going to name three things. And all you got to do is tell me the common bond between all these three things. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I picked an easy one for you. I didn't hit a hard one tonight. I have to guess the connection between all three. That's yeah. What you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see it. Let's hear it. All right. The first one is a baseball player. The second one is a cigar. And the third one is a bottle of soda. 
Babe Ruth? That's a good answer. It wasn't the answer I was looking for, but it is a good answer. It's What's more something. Answer? It's something more physical. I'll give you another chance to guess. It's something more physical that each of these things have. Think so. These you got to think very Base, basic. Baseball player, cigar, and a bottle of soda. And a bottle of soda. Yep. Think think about the anatomy of each. Think of the anatomy of each. What do all of them have uh, as part of their anatomy? A butt. Uh, I, I I don't know. I'm not. I, I, let's hear it. What a is cap, a cap? Okay. All right. There you go. A cap. I'm terrible at these things. By <laughs> the way. Again, this, this is I, I sell cigars. That, that, that was easy. I I disagree. Oh, I hit people really hard. It's ones. good. It's good thing it's 11:30 at night. If my daughters were watching this, they would be so. <laughs> All right. So Andy, what we we'll do is we got to do a couple more reads, and then we have some rapid fire questions to wrap it up. Okay. Okay. And this will be much shorter, I promise. <laughs> All right. So I want to mention uh, first, uh, JRE Tobacco. The authentic Corojo leaf was one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars, Cuba was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it was one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasan Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corojo from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corojo back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business of growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corojo. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who in the San Jose bring their very own brand to market and each contain that authentic Corojo leaf. Aladino is available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, the Aladino Sumatra. Each represents the golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. They're available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And we want to make a Corona Cigar Company. A Corona Cigar Company, they take fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's where you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Padron, Altidus, and Drew Estate. They have the best selection, best customer service, and money-saving discount cigar prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes Magazine said the Corona Cigar Company is best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest best stock cigar shops in America. You can place Corona online at their website or visit one of Corona's five Central Florida cigar superstars and cigar bars and see for yourself why Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And we're getting to our Alec Bradley Live True segment sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit alecbradley.com to find out more about their cigars. Live true. So, Andy, this, we're gonna get a, we, we kind of already started a little bit, but we're going to just uh, get to know you a little more personally. And we have some rapid fire questions here. Um, these are not hard. I, these, are easier aren't to brain te- hey, these aren't brain teasers. They're not brain teasers. They're not brain teasers. Te- if, if they are, you're in real big trouble. Yeah. I'm <laughs> there, there's no wrong answers. Go, listen, yeah. if, I, if I hit mute and just walk off, you know why. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, here's your first question. What are your favorite bands to listen to or artists, musical artists? Uh, my favorite band of all time is the Killers. Uh, I love uh, I love anything that Jack White uh, is a part of. Um, Black Keys. Uh, Black so Keys I, are good. Yeah, I, good. I prefer if I'm sitting here at my desk or I'm riding around or whatever. I listen to a, a pretty wide variety of music, but that's my go-to. I guess you would consider that 
uh, alternative rock. But the Killers are my favorite band. I mean, I can listen to Jack White all freaking day. Um, there you go. There you go. Good answer, Andy. All right. All right. Vacations. What's the best vacation you ever took? Uh, the best vacation I ever took would be my family and I four years ago went to Kiowa Island and we stayed at the sanctuary at Kiowa, which is just a spectacular uh, property. You know, they've got, there's a lot of golf. It's a, it's a, just a you know, world-class space. So there's that, you know, my family for two weeks every year also goes to Cape May, New Jersey. Uh, we rent a spot down there. So that would be a close second, but my favorite place that I go to that I've been vacation wise would be Kiowa Island, South Carolina. Very nice place. Good, good place. I actually had a chance to go there. It's, it's, oh, it's re spectacular. really nice. And uh, we actually, our family, our, we used to have our place in Brigantine, our, my father. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then when he didn't have that place anymore, uh, we, I, we would go down to Cape May a lot. We really liked Cape May. Yeah, we're on the, we stay, my neighbor owns a house on the, what's actually called North Cape May. <clears throat> so we're on the bay side of the Cape, uh, which we, we love. It's a little quieter over there. Yeah. His house has a pool. So we rent his place for two weeks every year, go over to downtown Cape, eat, you know, hang out and then, and then go back over to isolation. Nice. I've got a, I've got a wife and three girls. So, you know, it's, it's good to have a place that we can, uh, <laughs> you know, retreat towards too. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. All right, Andy, when you cut your cigars, what type of cut do you use? My fingernails. <laughs> okay. Good answer. It's an answer we've gotten before, by the way. Every Every time today was a little difficult because I cut my nails yesterday. So today was a little difficult, but I, I, I cut my uh, my cigars with my fingernails. I, I had to do that. I was in Tennessee last weekend and I didn't have my cutter wasn't working good. I, I took a cheap yeah. cutter. It wasn't working. So I had to do that. Yeah. Now so. I now it, when I'm traveling, I most I'm most of the time I don't do that because I carry one of our uh, Savoy cutters in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I use that. Obviously, I, 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 I like to showcase that. But, you know, when I'm just light and I just use my fingernails. Mm. Old school. Nice. Nice. And I light my cigars with a Dijit, too. Yeah. So there you go. Very, very simple. There you go. All good. All right. So when it comes to your car and you have to. Aaron, I know it. all these answers, by the way. Just, yeah, but just these, are, these are easy. Yeah, I, I was worried a little bit earlier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. When it comes to your car and you have to get your car cleaned, do you clean it by hand or you go to the car wash? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I take my wife's car to the car wash. Uh, I hand wash my own. That was my dad, by the way. <laughs> and, if, and, if, and if I'm lucky, one of my daughters is close by and I will make them help me. That's but, how you do it. Uh, but yeah, my, 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 my wife's goes to the car wash, but I, I, I wash my own. I don't spend a lot of time in my car. You know, my previous, uh, in my previous life with Ashton, you know, I was in the car 50, 55,000 miles a year in my car. And so I was in there all the time. You know, it's like you're, you know, all of our, all the road warriors out there, right. That becomes your office. Yeah. You know, but now I drive to the office and to, to home in my office daily. So Quite frankly, my car doesn't really get that uh, 
get that dirty. If it does, then I'm, then I'm a mess, maybe a coffee cup or something like that, but yeah. it stays pretty clean. Good. That's good. I'm embarrassed to say how many times I hand wash my car. It's probably twice a year. <laughs> Is that above average or below average? I don't know how often do uh, it's above my car? average. So. It's above my <laughs> average too. If I do okay, it once, right, a- so I'm, I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I do it once a year, uh, uh, when I rent a lot of cars and uh, I've learned the sometimes the most effective way to get the when I smoke in the car is to go to the car wash and get a pretty deep car wash interior. Uh, they can get the smell out. So, no, the most effective way is as soon as you get the car, you call back to the to the rental place and say, my car smells like somebody was smoking in it. Yeah. They say, I, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. Please make a note. And then it's on record. Yeah. Ben, ben Lee and I did that, but the problem uh, was we smoked so bad in that car. <laughs> you, smoked it, you smoked the car out. I mean, we yeah, had the, ashes. The windows, we had ash- the windows yeah. were yellow. The windows, <laughs> and his, I don't like the windows open. He's, <laughs> I found uh, I, I found this to be funny recently. Is uh, you know we use a we use a fleet program for our vehicles, and one of our you know fleet cars had to be picked up. And uh, because the, you know, lease term was up, so we were transitioning the car and it got delivered just about 10 miles from here. So myself and a coworker drove over there to pick it up so we could put it in our lot back here. And we show up and the, the, the people that are keeping the car, like, they're like, oh man, this thing's a disaster. And we're like, a disaster? Well, that doesn't make sense. The person driving it is not a disaster. Like, what do you mean? They're like, oh my God it smells like cigar smoke in there, like terrible. <laughs> so, so I'm the one that drove it back to, to the, the, to the offices. And I called my coworker and I said, dude, I said, this car smells like every car that I've traveled in with my salespeople for the last 10 years. It's yeah. cigar smoke. It's, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. Nice. All right. Your favorite cartoon character. My favorite cartoon character. Yeah. Man, don't watch a ton of cartoons. So I'm going to say uh, Bugs Bunny. There you go. That's a, you can't go wrong with Bugs Bunny. Old school. There you go. Okay. I, very good one, too. Mine's Fred Flintstone, by the way. That's a good one, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's old school as well. Yeah. I mean, all, really only because I just have fond memories of uh, watching Bugs Bunny, you know, when I was a kid. You know yeah. I mean? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Now, as a kid, did you ever play hooky from school? I already told you. He that. just told you, man. He was out there smoking cigars. Drinking oh, right, right. What am I saying? But <laughs> that's how I ended up. That's how I ended up here. Okay. What am I saying? Yes, you did. Playing hooky. Yeah. It wasn't technically hooky though, because I was allowed to leave. It just. That's was, what I was. Yeah, yeah. I, I might not have come back on time, but yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> that, that was me playing hooky. Yeah. All right. You got this is so I'm I'm gonna give you two scenarios. You gotta tell me which one's the more fearful situation you'd be in. And I, I recently just had a encounter with this. So uh a rattlesnake in the desert, encountering either a rattlesnake in the desert or a bear in the woods. Which is more fearful? For me, I would probably say the rattlesnake. The the rattlesnake would be my answer too. I but actually in Tennessee we had bears wandering around our property. So yeah, see that, that I mean, I guess, but but isn't there ways that you can deal with a, a bear, like in terms of getting around, like a rattlesnake, I feel like would be. Yeah. Better, uh, there's bear spray uh, and like like the house you rented had bear spray. So yeah, just, there's bear walk spray. away from the snake. That's how you solve that problem. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> I, I have, I have heard the rattlesnake. I've never encountered it head to head kind of, but I've heard them. 
Aaron, um, how yeah, about you? You know what Will it, and It's I definitely mean? a bear. I yeah, my uh my wife's family has a Taos and Tahoe, so we go up there fairly often and we've had pretty close encounters with bears and wandering around. Uh, you're not you're not outrunning a bear. If, if a bear wants to get you, it, it's gonna get you. So yeah. and they are, you know, the, the thing is out there, the smart people have like bear wire or bear mats so that they get electrocuted if they try to come in the windows or the and doors. They run away or something like but that. But if they don't, these guys break into the house and they they tear up the house, man. Oh man, yeah. So that, they're looking that, for they're looking for food. So uh and if you're caught if you leave any kind of smell of any food in your car. They're getting in your car too. So it's we yeah. we actually um we bought like some jerky in Tennessee and my wife left it in the car. That's it. Now I pulled it out. So oh, okay. before yeah, yeah. I said, No, we can't leave that in the car. <laughs> yep. They'll come right in there. And yeah. I, said, no, I don't a, have a uh I don't have a lot of, you know, I don't want to say like I'm not fearful of anything, but like, I don't, I don't have, I'm not scared of spiders or snakes or mice or like things like that. Those, those things don't scare me, but I, and th- I know this is being recorded, so it's on record. <laughs> Everybody that knows me knows this. I hate birds. And, mm-hmm. and I don't mean like big majestic birds that like you look up and like, Oh my God, that's a, such a beautiful bald Eagle or condor. Those things are beautiful. I hate sparrows and yeah. dogs and pigeons, yeah. you know, the ones that just like fly around your head. Yeah. That drives me crazy. So, you know, like uh well, you walk out of my house and there's these two big bushes. And my neighbor has a bird feeder that's about 30 <laughs> feet from those bushes. So you walk out of my house every day and it's like Yeah. So my daughters get a pretty good kick out of that if <clears throat> one of them flies at dad. We we have the swallows and they're nasty. Uh, they, get in, it, they get into everything. They, they, make and they uh, yeah. By the way, the bird you could use that bird netting and bird spikes. They don't work. <laughs> they, they they will build a nest wherever they want. And yeah, forget uh, you about can, it. Yeah, yeah. And then the problem is when the nest is there, you don't want to like tear it down. And uh, yeah, yeah. But then that they're nasty too. They'll defend that nest. So yeah, I had a, a little hole in my uh, uh, flashing on my roof earlier this year, and they got it. They built a little nest in there. And I had the uh, roofing company come back up and patch it. And my neighbor was like, oh, what are you doing? They're just birds. I'm like, dude, those things get into my attic. Yeah. I'm never getting rid of those things. No, I know. We have like a, we have a uh, kind of a mini attic above my garage too. And that's been a problem. Yeah. They get in there. They get in there. Yep. All right. This one may require a little more thought with this one. If you had a, if there was a reality TV show about Andy Green, what would the title be? If there was a reality TV show about Andy Green, what would it be titled? Hmm. It probably would be something centered around anal retention, you know, like, (laughs) you know, uh, obsessive anal retention or something along those lines. You know what I mean? Like following me around with all my little, you know, idiosyncrasies. That probably would be, that probably would be it. I think if you ask other people, they would probably have different (laughs) things about what it would be. But there you go. That's a good idea. That's a good show idea, Coop. I'm a very uh, yeah. I'm a very detailed oriented analytical uh, being, and you know a lot of you know I have a really great long term memory. Um, My short term, yeah, yeah, my short term memory sometimes fails me. So I find that the more I am able to organize and compartmentalize the better I do. So I, I think sometimes I take that, 
take that to an extreme. Nice. All right, to wrap up. Know, could you name a show anal retention? That probably sure. wouldn't be a good Why not? Title. Nobody would put watch. it on Netflix. Put it on Netflix. Never know, right? Yeah. yeah. Depends on how they rate it, I guess. Right. Correct. All right. I'm going to wrap up, Andy, with our uh, This Day in Sports History question. I'm going to include you in on this because I think you may be able to answer one of the questions. Uh, and it's sponsored by Espinosa Cigars, makers of award-winning brands such as Espinosa 601 and Knuckle Sandwich. Smoke Espinosa and smoke Espinosa every day. So, Andy, I'm going to ask uh, – I usually ask Aaron this question, but since you do have – since you do like the Phillies, right, there is a Phillies question in here. Okay. Uh, so, on this day in 1983, the Philadelphia Phillies released this all-time great player. They released him. They gave him his release. Do you know who that player was? I don't. <clears throat> Aaron, do you? I do not know. An all-time great player. 1983. 1983. It was a, it was by mutual. Dykstra. Before, uh, he before was, yeah. Yeah. It's that? not it's not Dick Allen, is it? No, it's after that. Okay, I thought that was. So cool. I, I will give the I will give the answer. It's okay. Pete Rose. What? Okay. Yeah, they released so it was Pete a release, Rose. huh? They released him. Yeah, and mm. it was by it was by his own. Uh, they he asked for the release and they gave it to him basically. No kidding. He want, yeah, he wanted to go play another year, and I think he had the eye on managing. So he they, he signs with Montreal, and then he he got traded to the Reds, where he becomes player manager that year right. in '84. All right. Now, I, had no, I had no chance on that yeah. one. This one's a harder one, Andy. You may never get it, but I'll ask oh, you this one to Aaron. I'm going to ask this one to Aaron. So on this day in 1986, the Boston Red Sox took a 2-0 lead in the World Series, and they routed the New York Mets 9-3. The Red Sox had 18 hits, and they battered this pitcher for six runs in five innings. Who was that pitcher? Was it Gooden? 1986? Yeah, so it was good. Good, yes. It was good. Yeah, okay. It was Dwight good. Yep. See, I actually yeah. had a better chance of getting that one. Uh, I blew than the other one. Then. Sorry. <laughs> Way to go, Aaron. Come I on. Know, sir. Yeah. And then just three fun facts. Uh, fifty-one years ago today, the Oakland A's rallied for two ninth-inning runs for a three-two uh, victory over the Cincinnati Reds, and they evened the World Series at two-two. Forty-three years ago, the Phillies won Game Five of the World Series over the Kansas City Royals. Nice. And 30 years ago, the Phillies dropped game three of the World Series to the Toronto Blue Jays. And there you, ha- there you have a bunch of So it's been 30 years since that series, really? Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. the, 30th, it's the 30th wow. anniversary. Uh, Andy, I'll just say this, kind of wrap it up. Uh, 1993, you could probably ask people, was an incredible year for Phillies baseball. Even yeah. though they lost the World Series, it was pro- I always say it was the most fun season I ever uh, was a part of. Uh, One of the I- most uh, revered teams still. Yeah, I mean they lost to Toronto, but I think they they were supposed they were supposed to be a last place team that year. So it was a it was an unbelievable run that year. Yeah, that was a whole macho role and Crock uh, and all those characters. Yeah, yeah Dykstra. Yeah, Crock so. still does all Crock still does all the local uh, the uh, the the uh, commentary for all yep. the games here. Yep, locally, right? yep, yep. Yeah, he does. He certainly does. Yeah. So, Andy, uh, I want to thank you very much for being a guest tonight. Uh, first of all, really appreciate it. Appreciate no your time. I know you gave you stayed late at the office. Uh, what a great story, by the way. Thanks for sharing all that, yeah. those, those stories tonight. It was much sure. appreciated.
I'm sorry. What did you say? No, no, go ahead. I didn't say anything. Oh, no. I mean, look, it was my it was my pleasure. I mean, I, I uh, always appreciate the opportunity uh, to talk a little bit about what we do here. You know what I mean? You know, yep. we have uh, our commitment to the industry is unquestioned. I mean, we have 16 salespeople that are completely dedicated all the time to delivering our message. And uh, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to talk about it. I hope that uh, whoever happens to hop on and listen or views it later, um, you know, I hope that uh, it, maybe next time you think of something that I said or that came up and, and piques your interest. And that's all we're looking for. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And if you're in the Charlotte area, just let me know as well. Uh, happy to get together with you as well. Got it. I got to go see James Shore sometimes, you know. So James, oh, I miss him. I miss him. Yeah. He's the best. He was really good. Yeah. James, well, James introduced me to you actually too. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, good. James, was, James was great. Uh, good guy. Yep. James was great. So uh, it, it, well, I'll just wrap up, Andy. I don't, I think I told you the story. My youngest son had to do a presentation. And I took him into the cigar store and James was there that day. And uh, I bought everyone. Um, uh, I believe it was the Mia Moore Reservas. I bought everyone uh, to, to nice. sit there and listen to my son. And James was happy. James was great. He's kind of supported us as well and matched some cigars, which was really nice. So, Oh, so you took him to the cigar shop to do a presentation for the cigar smokers. He had to do it for a completely group of people he had never met before. It was oh, that's awesome. So <laughs> I said to him, and I, so I went to everyone. I said, look, my son's coming in. Can you give him 15? And they were, everyone was great about it. I said, I'm going to buy you guys cigars. And James happened to be there that day. And he's like, yeah, I'll give everyone an extra cigar, too. So uh, he <laughs> and they took it easy on my son. So it was, he, he did. He, yeah, <laughs> he, he's not a, like my youngest son's not really one who's a public speaker, but he did good. Yeah. When I was uh, in my late 20s, I, I was doing some like continue, continuing kind of education classwork. And one of the classes that I took required uh, a presentation, again, just like what you're talking about in front of people. And uh, at that time, I was, you know, a, a territory sales rep and I was probably doing like 50 events a year. Mm. And so I was talking in front of 30 or 40 people every week all the time and i said you want me to like videotape one of these <laughs> and she goes well that would be that would be great and i'm like oh how, how the hell am i gonna do that and she's like you know what never mind and I, I think i ended up coming into class and doing it in front of class because you know in my mind i was like how am i going to tell these guys at this cigar shop that i'm videotaping my own uh <laughs> my own speech <laughs> very egotistical exactly but. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, guys. All right, Andy. Yeah, uh, you, safe, Andy. safe travels, and yeah. uh, hopefully I'll catch you before uh, PCA in March. It's right around the corner, man. Yeah. March, it's going to be here before we know it. Aaron, you'll be out there, I assume? Uh, I, I have this will be the first one I have to miss in uh, 10 years because uh, the date change just conflicts with another trip I already yeah. have planned. Yeah, okay, yeah. well, I look, I look forward to, uh, Will, seeing you got you out there, uh, yep. there too. And... Uh, well, look forward to another great PCA. I look forward to it, Andy. Thanks again for everything. Uh, appreciate it. All right. You have a great have night. night. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for everybody listening out there. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is, all right. That is Andy Green of Ashton Cigars here on the Primetime Show. So we got one more segment to do. So folks stick around. Uh, first, we got to do uh, a couple more folks who pay the bills. Um, and we'll start off with J.C. Newman Cigar Company. 
Founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman, the J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family premium cigar maker in America. Four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 113-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. At the factory known as Elwood Hole, J.C. Newman is premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the All-American Cigar, the American and the Anjo Cuesta. J.C. Newman Pensa Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's a brick house, Pelo de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, health care, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And by Casa Cuevas Cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders out of the Las Lavas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas Cigars. You can try the Casa Cuevas line, the Cuevas Reserva line, and the latest release, the Casa Cuevas Sangre Nueva. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local retailer for Casa Cuevas Cigars. Casa Cuevas Cigars, from our casa to yours. And uh, we're going to get to our industry deliberation uh, segment, sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. It's included eight consecutive top three appearances on the half-wheel consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Mi Carita Tricky Chaka and 2022 with the Mi Carita Black. Visit DTT Cigars to find the purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. All right, Aaron, I got a couple of uh, things. I just I know you and I have talked on a couple of these over the past few weeks. Sure. Um, and uh, they're both related to one of our favorite areas of scoring. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I want to say a few months ago, we did a show and we talked about like we've done a show. Where we talked about perfect scores and then we talked right. about cigars that got a zero score. Right. And I think we were kind of saying the zero score is a pretty tough thing to get. Yeah, right? yeah. But I think we went through some of the reasons where it could happen. Mm-hmm. And a few weeks ago, it happened on developing pallets. It did. It did. So this is not to like beat up like who gave the, the zero rating. But I, I want to kind of give a little insight because first of all, I got to give you guys a lot of credit for two things. One is for going ahead and publishing that score. Mm-hmm. And I think the way and it was Seth who actually gave the score. So it's not a, yep. a secret. I think the way it was handled could have been more professional on that, but, but it did happen. Right. It, it was a yeah. zero score. that was, ish, and I, I think it might've been one of the few I've ever seen. So what happened there? And folks. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I don't, I didn't expect that we would ever give a zero score. Right. Like, I remember I we were talking about I that. I just yeah. didn't think that that would, right. That's really possible to right. get that, but we got to that. So, as I'm going through it and I'm, you know, consolidating the scores and everything into our back end system of how we put everything together, when I saw it happen, I was like, oh, okay, was there a mistake somewhere where like the, the rankings just didn't get put in the right place? I read through the review and I understood that that was, it was correct and all that stuff. But when I saw it, I was like, this is interesting. Like this, you know, that we're at this point where right. we have it, we actually have a zero. So like, that's something I was ex- ever expecting to really come up against. So, right. Um, but it, there was no doubt um, that we were going to publish it. Um, you know, I think we just have to, you know, 
we have to be open and honest about our experiences. Um, and it's um, thinking about it now and seeing how it actually happened. I shouldn't have been so surprised that we would eventually handle it, hand out a zero, right? Right. right. So basically, what happens is the cigar is is you can't get a draw out of the cigar. And when you have a cigar that doesn't draw, obviously the airflow is bad and it's not going to really burn. You can light it, but it will burn for a little bit until it runs out of oxygen to keep burning, right? So, I mean, Seth went through, through some iterations to try to, you know, get make it make it happen. He even, you know, cut it uh, a few more times to try to figure that out, and it just wasn't it wasn't going to happen. And you know, you're not going to perform major surgery on a cigar where you're pulling leaves out of the blend. To try to make this smoke because then now you're not really now you're not smoking the blend as it was. No, oh, yeah, right? absolutely, absolutely. So that's just that's just the way it worked out, and um, you know, it's it's one of the four scores from this from the review. So it's not as though the whole thing got a zero. The whole right. thing gets a zero because that there's a real problem if if you have four people that give it a zero. There's right. there's a major malfunction going right. on at that point. Right. So there was one zero in it, and the rest of us had our normal scores for the for the review. So. Um, yeah, and that's just kind of the way we were going to do it. You could you could see that somebody has an experience like that where there's a bad, you know, poor construction that really doesn't allow them to smoke the cigar. If you can't smoke it, you can't get any flavor out of the cigar. You just you, there's nothing to provide any kind of score to the cigar. So that's kind of how it came out. Um, and I was you know I was a bit curious as kind of how that video was going to go when we recapped everything. Um, but Seth was very gracious about it and saying yeah. you know this. This happens from time to time where, right. you know, but most of the time it's ha it happens when you're not reviewing a cigar, right? You'll get right. something and it, it takes much less right. of a problem for someone to say, to light up a cigar, three puffs in, have just say, I'm not smoking this anymore. And they'll go to something else, right? But if for a review, you're kind of going, you're all in on it. But he was very gracious about it. You know, he, obviously he saw that we didn't have that same experience. He just got, you know, he just happened to get the one that had that issue and if he pulled another one out of the box, I'm sure he'd have a different experience and that he's open to going back and trying that sometimes. So, yep. but it's just that we, we have to report on our true experience. And and that was his experience with uh, a very poorly constructed cigar. I, I remember when, when the review published, I did what everyone probably does who, you know, I, I, I didn't read your review. I went right to the yep. bottom. And I, I go, That's it and, I go, and I go to Aaron. I said, I think you got an error here or something. It's like a, <laughs> there's like a zero. And you're like, yeah. no, you got to read the review and then watch yeah. the video. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I think one thing is like folks may say, well, why didn't you just smoke another cigar? Right. And I think I'll let you answer that. But I, I again, I think you guys stuck to your process here, which really and i'm gonna tell you how this kind of affects a lot of things um you guys stuck to your process yeah that's not how it works with you guys yeah so our goal is that if four people walked into the lounge and picked right. out a cigar out of the box right. we're reporting on that experience right you know and the only way to report on it is what the experience you got with the one that you picked up right right because you walk into a humidor and you have however many facings that are in that room right if you have a bad experience or a, a, a experience that bad you know, are, what are the likelihood that out of that entire humor, you're going to go back to that same box, mm -hmm. you know, and, and say, I, you know, I'm going to try that again. Or, right. you know, I, you know, um, you're probably going to go to something else in the humor. So our, our process is to show what that experience is like. If we, if we didn't report that and we just went to another cigar to do it and then reported that, that's not, that doesn't give you the true outlook of what right. four random people's experience right. are with, uh, with a cigar. Right. So. 
that's that's the process we use that we, we just had to stick to it right and you guys and you guys tend to go one smoke with these things so yeah so right. so it's it, not like it's a different process being... some people like to do multiples right but since we have four people in one review we're saying well we all smoke four obviously we have different preferences and all that stuff so that's going to be a little bit different but we each have one it's that it's that you walked into a shop you picked a cigar out of the box you went to light it up and then you're just kind of this is my experience smoking one kind of a thing but from four different perspectives right and you know it really got me thinking after this um which is why i wanted to talk about it on the show because i don't know if i've had a review where the drawer was like completely plugged right yeah but it could happen, and I think it probably has happened in many review cycles. And I wonder how many people have just kind of invalid. Oh, it's a bad. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna give it a break and, and not do that. Right. Um. So it, it really got me thinking about this. Is you know, it should like more and more. I said, if it, you know what, if you get a, it's a handmade. Part of being a handmade product is this right. could happen. Yeah. And I think it really demonstrated a lot of honesty and integrity on um from all you guys, you know, especially as we success. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, what, what I'll say is it was kind of, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the video expecting Seth, you know, cause Seth could be very opinionated, right? Yeah. yeah. I did. Seth could go. And, and Seth was, it, that wasn't what we got from Seth. It's like, this is what happened here. He, it yeah. was almost, he felt bad, but he, you know, he stood his ground saying, this is what we have to do here. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody want, like, I don't say anybody. Right. Most people don't want to dr- say, drop a zero on a cigar, right? Right. Like that's not the intent because a right. zero is a really bad. Like that's right. the worst you can do, right? And you don't really want to wish that on anybody that you don't have bad. No, blood no, with, right. So, no. um, yeah, I, yeah, I think he, you know, he was very apologetic. You know, I, I think in that situation, it's tough to not do that, even though that he didn't like. Seth didn't do anything wrong, right? It's just the experience he had with the cigar, you know, a random product he's trying to consume. So, right, um, yeah, but he, he he was very good about it. So, and and he was like, "Look, I'll smoke it again. I'll, you know, he's even want to review it again." Yep. Uh, but I, I I really I really think it set a like in my opinion, it set a really good statement for reviewers. It started making me think a lot. Now, one thing I had done is if I've had a very bad draw on, like I do multiples. If I get yep. a bad draw, you will not get a ninety. It's just yeah. certain things because you can't, how can you give someone a 90 if, if uh, you know, it just, but it never works out like that either. Because right. mathematically, if, if you're not getting flavor, everything, it affects every yes. component of, yep. like, it's funny how we score draw, but draw is almost like it is such a, um, a gating factor to the review. Yeah. Yeah. And this was, it was a total gating factor. How do you score something where you can't get anything out of it? Yeah, and that's why I feel like flavor should be the the he- heaviest weight in a in a yeah, scoring yeah. system rather than construction. Like, you know, because bad construction most of the time will have an effect on flavor. Yeah. So, um, you know, let flavor be the guiding light on the overall score. You know, right. the, the construction can play a little bit into it. Like, you know, if you know if you're if you're doing a lot of touch ups, touch ups usually won't have a lot of effect on flavor. But it could be annoying because, you know, you're having to babysit it and all that stuff. So, you know, but if you have it where the cigar is going out and you're relighting it a bunch of times, that has enough effect on flavor. Like you said, if the draw is too tight, uh, you can't get enough smoke. If it's too loose, it's burning way too fast. You may get yeah. some acrid flavor. So, yeah, most of the time, yeah. construction issues will play into it. There are, But there are times where it doesn't, and you still need to kind of take that into account. 
Yeah, I, I, a lot of touch-ups I think can affect it, particularly if you're a, like, and as a, look, I'm a lazy smoker at times too. The lazy smoker when they touch it up, what are they gonna do? They're gonna scorch that thing, right? Yeah. And when you scorch that thing, it's gonna affect the flavor. Right. So a lot of touch-ups I think do like do have to be pointed out. Uh, yeah. But because again, if you're gonna do it, you know, then it's just something to be cognizant of. If you're a lazy smoker, it's gonna probably have a more negative effect on that. Yep. So I thought it was a good job by you guys. I thought that was uh, well done and uh, it was it made a good statement there. Um, and uh, yeah, no, so that was, it was so it, it, something I don't know. I'm trying to think if there was, an, I think Catman may have given a couple of zeros out too. So he's the only, yeah, I think so. Yeah. But, but it was along the lines of the same thing. He's just like, I, I can't smoke this. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's done. So, all right. So the other thing about scoring, you and I have gone back and forth on this one, and I may be coming a little more around to you, Aaron, on some stuff, and I'll tell you why. So we've been talking about, like, the two, we're getting ready to kind of do a lot of our end of year lists. Uh, we're going to have, um, you know, we're kind of going through that. We're looking at the year in cigars. And you made a comment to me. You thought this was a better year than we've seen in recent years for cigars. Yeah. Yeah, um, I disagreed with you, but then I understood what you were saying because I've, I've had a bunch of reviews <laughs> towards the end that are 2023 releases that, that are probably going to end up possibly giving a 30 count list, which I'm, okay. I was a little worried. It may not happen. It's going to be close is what I'll yeah. say, because there's like five more to go and there's a few there's like three spots open. So, right. Um, but yeah, so give me like so, Aaron, why? Why is what are you seeing this year? Because you smoke, uh, be honest, you've smoked more 2023s than I have. I'm right. more. What are you seeing this year that's doing this? Is it, is it better blends? Is it better construction? What do you? Yeah, seeing? I'm. I'm not going to be able to just really determine that. I think it's probably just better blends. Um, you know, um, I have to like do a kind of year over year on the construction side of things. I don't know that the construction is, you know, anything largely worse or better. Um. I know that, you know, people have been saying like with labor shortages and everything like that, construction and quality is kind of down and things like that. But um, I don't feel like I've seen a ton of, you know, worse draws or worse burns than I normally get. So I don't know that the construction will be playing into it. I think there's just probably some better blends this year that are going on. And, um, you know, I'm definitely the negative kind of person in regards to, you know, the direction that the cigar industry has gone in regards to quality of blends. but I do feel like this year's a step up, maybe since like 2018 levels. Like this is one of the better years. Um, and you know, it's just based on the cigars I've smoked and reviewed and things like that to kind of get that feel. Is just I think that there's more that um there's more cigars this year that I would come back to than in probably the you know, the last uh three or four years. Yeah. Before that. Um and uh but you know, some of these cigars are a lot more expensive than what we were smoking last three or four years as well. So that, yeah. that may play into it. I don't know if it's the price increases are completely blend related or other things related. So, um, but yeah, just based on my experience, I've been, there's been more blends this year that um, have kind of caught my attention. I have, I usually do the breakdown at the end of the year of by country of origin mm-hmm. and factory and, and I don't know yet I, I, how that's going to um, go. I think this will be my lowest average year, though. 
Um, mm-hmm. But again, the way I'm doing it is there's still a lot of 2022 stuff in there. Right. And it, like I said, I, I have had some 2023 stuff and I'm like, there's a few things that may, but I'm kind of curious to see how that's all going to flush out as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I have what I have seen. What I can say is there may be a lot of cigars that are satisfactory mm-hmm. at a 2023, but there's nothing that's very high scoring either. So I haven't really seen anyone yeah. kind of poke the ceiling higher with this stuff. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with you in regards to that. Like I don't there the cigars that I'm enjoying this year are not super high scorers. Yeah. But they are definitely like there's there's more that are above kind of where my normal average is for the year. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, if I had to look at those median ones, uh, but like yeah. I said, I, I'm not seeing I like I saw very few 91s and 92s on Coop this year. Yeah. Um, it just was really low, and there's nothing. I we've had one ninety three in five years, four years rather. So, so yeah. yeah. So for me, like me, like I don't have any set. I don't have anything that's seven or above. Yeah. Um, and that's usually a really good score for me. And I've had, you know, above seven scores in the past, but um, that's kind of they're, how... they're all they're all real. You know, there's there's a good number of like high sixes, so six eight two or you know something like that. So yeah. Um. So. Yeah. I'm going to I am going to do a breakdown this year. One thing I'm adding in, at least this is the plan, uh, because I have a two year window. I'm going to put I'm going to do it by release year and mm-hmm. kind of see where the averages are, how it kind of works out with that. OK. Um, And then that will kind of give you a, a notion of how many cigars that I did. I really go low with the 2023. I don't I don't have the counts in front of me. Yeah. Um, But like the remained my my deadline is the 31st for publishing the review. Mm hmm. Um, and the release date's obviously before the trade show, but I am pretty strict on that on that publishing date. So yeah. if it misses it, if, if I don't get a chance to write the review, it will miss it basically. Right. Uh, it's just, but I have to have a, I, I, you and I, I think, agree on the whole notion of we publish the reviews if you're going to do a list. If yeah. you're a reviewer and you're not publishing it, I think you're missing something. Yeah. Yeah. So we shall see. So uh, I thought it was a couple of interesting things with scoring. It's, you know, yeah. kind of wrap up. It's been a really light news cycle this, uh, this month. It's probably the lightest yeah. news cycle I ever seen. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. But I think, I think it's because of the trade show moving up. I think yeah. stuff's like, cause sometimes companies will do these November, December releases or, yeah, think, or the July releases that were pushed to this time. Yeah. 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 But it's, it's, I think if they're just if they're if they got pushed this far, they're probably just gonna just do it next let, year. Let them roll till next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean that's that's kind of the feedback I'm getting from some companies is uh, yeah, they're just they're gonna move forward to next. I know I know Perdomo's releasing the thirtieth next month. They, that, that's yeah, it's supposed to be a November release, right? Yeah, yeah. yes. And I guess George Padron said Fuente Padron's coming out in November as well. He said that. Okay. So, so let's see if it happens. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's all I got. All right. All right. So, uh, again, thanks to Andy Green. Thanks to our audience. Next week, 286. We're back next week. Uh, Christian Oroa uh, is going to be on the show. Nice. So, looking forward. I know there's a lot of stuff he's got going on. So, yeah. He's always a fun guy to have on. So, mm-hmm. uh, CLE Cigar Company. But uh, thanks again. Thanks to everyone. Thanks to our audience. That's going to wrap up primetime episode 285 into the Annals of History for Thursday, October 19th. Now, Friday, October 20th in the Eastern time zone. We will catch everybody next time. Take care, everybody. See you guys.